Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Remember the old diet advice, like, when the urge to eat strikes, just take a walk, or have a glass of water. Usually you're just thirsty, not hungry. If you're anything like me, these suggestions make you want to punch the magazine or the person who said it in the face. So many suggestions to just stop emotional eating are based in diet culture. They're based in the notion that you know what to do, just do it. And I'm here to tell you that Changing behavior is hard. We as humans are wired for comfort and disrupting a pattern of emotional eating is challenging. And at the same time, you absolutely can do it and you can learn to prefer it. However, to get started with disrupting this pattern, we need to feel understood. We need to then take small consistent actions in the direction of our goals. So we're going to leave these super patronizing suggestions at home and get some actual suggestions for simple, fun things to do when the urge to eat strikes when you know you are not hungry. So for some actual suggestions for this, I have a new free actionable guide. This is a one-page PDF you can pull up at any time with 23 things to do instead of eating, complete with links to videos, fun, inspiring songs, and many different ideas to disrupt the pattern and take a small step towards empowerment and towards that confident person that you deserve to be. So grab the guide absolutely free at drhondorp.com forward slash guide. That's D-R-H-O-N-D-O-R-P forward slash guide to start ditching the shoulds and regaining confidence in yourself today. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Motivation Made Easy. This is Dr. Sean Hondorp and today we're going to be talking about a common question I get from people considering weight loss or bariatric surgery or people that have had it in the past. And the question, typically, actually, this first question comes from people considering surgery. Will bariatric surgery help with my binge eating? Will it help to reduce it? They also want to know, can I actually practice intuitive eating or a non-diet approach to eating? 
they also want to know how can I get rid of diet mentality if I have to follow a specific diet? Like, how does this all make sense? And these are really good questions. Um, and today you'll get all my thoughts on these topics. And I will say that even if you're not interested, I mean, if you hear, if you don't want to hear anything about weight loss surgery, if it feels unhelpful to you at this point in your journey, then obviously skip this episode. You're probably hopefully read the title and aren't listening. But I do think even if you're not interested in weight loss surgery ever for yourself at all, like you're like, you for whatever reason, I, I actually think that this topic will still have a lot of relevance to you because this question is really important regardless of whether you pursue weight loss surgery or you have another medical condition where a specific eating pattern is recommended. So, you know, avoiding gluten for those with gluten intolerance or celiac, minimizing dairy for those who have some degree of lactose intolerance, reducing animal protein for someone who has heart disease, or even just controlling your blood sugar. I think there's going to be a lot of parallels to the messages that we internalize about bodies and who knows what is right for us. So I think it's going to be a great episode. I'm so glad you're here and let's dive in. All right. So if you tuned in at all for our last episode, it was a good one. If you missed it, you're going to want to check out that episode with Amy Braden. It's all about Amy's journey with a non-diet kind of intuitive eating type approach, healing her relationship with food, and eventually, um, after many years, choosing to pursue bariatric surgery. And I loved the episode. I was so grateful that Amy came and shared our story. There's a, there's a quote in there that um, I will be remembering forever, which is really about like our body forgiving us and our body, how adaptable and resilient it is. So make sure you check that episode out. But this topic of this idea of weight loss surgery and intuitive eating, can they be friends? Um, is, is definitely a topic that I find really interesting because I think it brings together what we talk about in this podcast so well of promoting autonomous motivation, promoting autonomous behavior change in relation to any health behavior. And I think um, it actually shines a light on the places where we fall short and where the fields fall short. Because at first glance, and, and many times if you are in a community focused on supporting people having weight loss surgery or an intuitive eating community, they may feel like they're complete opposite worlds. And in, and that's Amy talked about this last time, like in the intuitive eating community, there's often disparaging or negative comments made about people, um, or weight loss surgery in general. And Amy said, I understand why. And it's, it's tough because you, it's hard to straddle these two worlds. It's hard to find a place where you feel seen, understood, and that you belong, which is something we all desire. So, you know, at first glance, these fields might seem like two complete opposite ideas, right? Like how on earth can you reject the diet mentality and still pursue a surgery that requires a specific diet and imposes um, definitely short-term, often some long-term limitations on what's recommended that you eat 
and the amount that feels comfortable for you to eat. And I understand the confusion about this. And again, this is a controversial topic. Not everyone will agree with me on this. Um, But I definitely think that you can learn or relearn to be an intuitive eater before or after having bariatric surgery. Um, The episode with Amy last time is living proof of this. And I've seen it many times in my practice. And there's not a ton of research in this area, but the research that exists is very supportive of this idea too. So I'm going to cover some of that today. But just to check in on this, I want to just really quick review the principles, the 10 principles of intuitive eating. And um, really quick. So number one, reject the diet mentality, honor your hunger, Make peace with food, and this includes the concept of unconditional permission to eat, so not limiting any foods, um, or at least giving yourself permission to eat any foods. Challenge the food police, the all-or-nothing thinking. Discover the satisfaction factor. Feel your fullness. Cope with your emotions with kindness. Respect your body. Movement. Feel the difference. And honor your health. Gentle nutrition is the last one. So in reading those, it seems to me that the principles of honoring hunger and fullness, coping with your emotions with kindness, seems like they'd be a lot less controversial. And that's where you might see people talking about mindless eating or mindful eating, (laughs) Um, not mindless, mindful eating um, in relation to bariatric surgery. And I think most people are on board with this, right? They're like, yeah, of course you want to. Um, listen, listen to that. Although as people that have had surgery will often tell you the experience of hunger greatly changes after surgery, or at least it can for many people. And in fact, that's one of the, I would say myths, but also frustrations with people. They have expectations about how hunger will change and you'll never feel hungry. And some people have that experience, but most people don't have that experience forever. And learning to work with their body's signals after surgery can be a huge source of frustration because they either hoped that they wouldn't feel hungry because we've been taught to view hunger as bad, um, or they just are confused about how to interpret their body's new signals because they will likely shift and change as you go through the process. So the, the principle that I think is really challenging for people to get is this idea of reject the diet mentality. And so a quote from the intuitive eating website says, throw out the diet books and magazine articles that give you false hope of losing weight quickly, easily, and permanently getting angry, get angry at diet culture that promotes weight loss and the lies you've that have led you to feel like you are a failure. Every time the new diet stopped working, you gain back the weight. If you allow even one small hope to linger that a new and better diet or food plan might be lurking around the corner, it'll prevent you from being free to rediscover intuitive eating. It's a really interesting concept. And I actually would be curious if any listeners are like, does that feel true? Um, I definitely, from my perspective, like believing like relinquishing that control on what happened with weight was really important. Um, but it's, it's interesting because after, for me, after healing my relationship with food, I did find 
like plant-based eating, it's a, it's a new diet or better food plan, but I didn't find it for the purpose of weight loss. So that might be the difference. Um, so, you know, again, I, I think that you can reject the diet vitality before or after bariatric surgery. Um, but, and you can also get angry at diet culture that tells you weight loss should be easy without surgery and, and not saying it's easy with surgery, but you know, and still pursue it. This is a very nuanced thing. You can absolutely be angry at the lies that long-term sustainable weight loss should be achievable and doable for all. If you just work hard enough, that's absolutely something. Of course, you're going to be angry at that, or at least you could be, but can you do that and still choose bariatric surgery from a truly self-respecting autonomous place. And, you know, the reality is that for a lot of people, either due to their genetics or a long history of dieting, their body size and biological set point, the weight that their body wants to maintain when not restricting, will often end up being higher than they'd like it. Again, for a variety of reasons. And although they absolutely should not feel pressured to have surgery. That is for sure. They should not get messages from doctors that this is the only option for you. Um, because it's never the only option. We always have choice. That's something I say all the time because it's freedom of choice without excessive pressure is how we get autonomous motivation. So anyone should feel free to pursue health promoting behaviors at any body size without worrying about losing weight. And many people still decide that they desire weight loss for whatever reason. And, you know, the data does show that weight loss surgery is more effective long-term than behavioral weight loss, just, you know, making behavior changes or typically reducing calories. It doesn't mean that it's the right choice or that you should do it, but it also doesn't mean that we have to pretend it's not an option. And we've talked a little bit in past episodes. I think there's other places that talk more about risks um, of surgery. There are absolutely risks and that's going to vary. The risk benefit is going to vary person to person. But as I mentioned, you know, the research. So my clinical anecdotal experience is that, you know, not everyone is open to taking this approach after surgery and that's totally fair. But for those that are, there's, you know, I've seen really good results of people learning to trust their body and learning to become an intuitive eater after surgery. Many times they wish they would have done it before surgery. And and sometimes we can do that work. Um, It's better now than never. (laughs) Better late than never is the term. So, and research supports this too. So there's a pretty small study of 90 uh, patients three months to five years post-op. So pretty big range, but higher intuitive eating scores were positively correlated with being more satisfied with meals, eating more mindfully, feeling more self-efficacy that they can maintain their eating long-term. So just a sense of confidence, like I got this. And then we know that that predicts long-term motivation or behavior change. Feeling in control of eating, so less loss of control eating, having a positive relationship with food, making time for relaxation, regular activity, 
Intuitive eating was negatively associated. So more intuitive eating meant they were less likely to be emotional eating, less fearful of weight regain, had less perceived stress. And these are correlations. So it doesn't mean that intuitive eating is causing these things. Um, It's possible that people that are more fearful of weight regain have more stress Um, tendency to prioritize other needs before one's own. That's interesting. Um, If you, you know, it's possible that those people feel less inclined to try intuitive eating, perhaps because there's less self-trust there. Or or they have more, um, sometimes after surgery, one thing that I often talk to people about is they, you'll often be given, Amy actually talks about this in the episode two last time, but It'll be given like a weight loss goal that the surgeon thinks is doable for you. Um, But really, you know, encouraging them, it's okay to be honest about what you hope. Like if, and I'll often unpack that with people, but also you have very little control over what your weight does after surgery. You have control over your eating patterns, but just like now, and being able to accept that and and know that you're probably going to get many times when you go to the surgery center, you might get the message like you didn't work hard enough. Um, and when really our biology and just how your specific body responded to surgery is going to play a big role in what happens, which could factor into whether you decide to do it. Um, and that is valid. So there was a very similar finding with a larger group of um, women, about 400 people, um, where their intuitive eating was actually associated with more weight loss after surgery. So some of the things to remember about binge eating and weight loss surgery, um, binge eating or weight loss or bariatric surgery or any specific diet is unlikely to cure your binge eating long-term. The most common regret I hear from people after surgery, and actually most people in therapy, is that they wish they had sought out resources like therapy or something along those lines to address their relationship with food sooner. And, you know, I think just just being aware of that short term, it is it probably will reduce binge eating short term, um, but probably not long term. It's it's unlikely. And another thing to keep in mind is the weight loss focus and understanding and unpacking beliefs about weight loss is really tough to navigate alone because the worlds of intuitive eating and bariatric surgery don't have a lot of overlap. It's really important to help you find people who can help you with your specific experience and navigate the often challenges of bridging those two worlds if that was something you decided to do. Learning to work with your body instead of against it is effective. It works. I've been doing this work for many years and I've just never been more convinced that learning to trust your body and its signals is the way to go. Learning to trust its signals in terms of hunger fullness, learning to trust its signals in terms of the emotions that it feels, learning to turn towards that with compassion and be like, all right, body, I'm listening. What do you got for me? So you can learn to trust your body and yourself even if you never ever have. Even if you've had a strained relationship with food since childhood, since birth. 
it's our brains are incredibly adaptable and are we can relearn these things but we have to learn to and often if it's really ingrained often you can't do it by yourself so it's that courage to reach out and say okay I'm gonna reach out I'm gonna have someone help me feel seen and heard and I can learn to trust myself again but we often have to trust someone else to help us through that depending on depending on where we're at it's basically always helpful if we can find the right person so much of what I work with people one-on-one is really regaining that sense of trust in themselves and their bodies and just knowing it takes time and effort to relearn to listen to your body's signals after sometimes a really long time of trying to ignore or suppress them and again as Amy said in the last episode your body will forgive an awful lot and love you. And I mean, our bodies are just incredibly resilient and it's incredibly powerful. So, you know, main take-home messages. And I, I, I did want to make a comment too about, it's, it's just interesting. It's interesting for me to navigate the different worlds of weight loss surgery and all the different worlds that I've been in, um, the intuitive eating world, we have, most of us have a lot of emotion tied up in our beliefs about these things. And let's say if you're an intuitive eating provider or you teach intuitive eating, maybe as a dietitian or a therapist, or you work with people with a lot of eating disorders, you may have really strong opinions about weight loss or bariatric surgery. You may have seen really times when it was really harmful for someone. Someone had surgery, they developed a really severe eating disorder, or they got malnourished, or they had complications, they developed alcohol problems. Like There are stories like that. And there are stories where, especially when we have these honest conversations beforehand, and we really help people unpack why they've struggled with their relationship with food, what's the factors at this point in their life that will likely impact their body. Autonomy, again, is freedom of choice without excessive pressure. So so when we're really trying to, let's say we're trying to help someone else feel empowered to make positive changes for their health let's say let's say you have a loved one and you really just wish they would make a change and do something different the very best way that you can help them is to listen and reflect back their perspective and show that you understand and show that you hear them and help them to just have a safe space to work through pros and cons of anything and without imposing your opinions. I think the the easy thing to do with eating and weight is we all have a lot of opinions because we all eat and we all have bodies, but it's just really important to hold back on those projecting your opinions about what might be right for someone um, onto them and just being that safe space where you can just be like, oh, tell me more. Like, what, what are you, what are you thinking about that? Or, or what do you think that would do for you? Um, and this is true of a weight loss surgery conversation or just any new eating plan that someone goes on and you might hear like, 
oh, I don't think that's going to work, right? But just getting curious because if you go in and you say, well, there's no way that's going to work for you and that's too restrictive or that's too, like, they're not going to be able to hear you. And so, again, I think navigating these two worlds and noticing how in these two worlds, there's so much mistrust of the body. There's so much mistrust of people's abilities to make. And even in the intuitive eating world, like I've heard many people say on podcasts, like, I don't think these surgeries are a good idea and people have body autonomy. But by saying that, and and they are entitled to that opinion, but by saying that opinion, you are automatically telling someone if they choose it, you disagree with that choice. And versus saying like, maybe that is still the right choice for you, even if I wish that we didn't feel like we had to do surgery on bodies to make them smaller. That's that can be your desire. But if someone's fully informed about the risks and benefits and they choose that, being able to trust that they, at least with the tools they have, that they know what's best for them at that point. And um, that's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to, it comes from a really good place. It comes from wanting people. It usually comes from a, a really place of just wanting the best for people. And I've, I've heard this with family members. I've heard this with providers, um, who are, you know, therapists or dietitians or physician assistants, but it comes from a great place and we have to pull back. And, and if they ask for our opinion, we can absolutely give it. Um, but trying to give our opinion in a way that still supports their autonomy truly versus just saying, well, I don't think it's a good plan, but I support you. It's much more impactful if you can actually show, I see your perspective, I get where you're coming from, and um, maybe I have my reservations, but I could see how you have a different experience in the world than I do, and it's your body, not mine. And and how would I fully know what feels like the right choice for you? And I think it's important to have that perspective. So just some final closing thoughts. Um I'd, I'd love your thoughts about this, this content, these episodes. Is it helpful to you? Is it too, um, do you see the relevance even if you're not pursuing anything like surgery? And, uh, I'd love your feedback as always. So feel free to reach out and in the meantime, have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening today and for showing up for yourself. If you are ready to ditch the diet mentality, build sustainable, healthy habits, take great care of your body and build a life you truly love, then I have some great news for you. The doors for the Body Respect program are now open for enrollment. This innovative program is unlike anything else out there. It will help you unlearn diet mentality BS, learn to truly work with your body instead of against it, and help you show up as the person you were meant to be. If you're ready to dive deeper and get the support you truly deserve, go to drhondorp.com forward slash course or click on the link in the show notes to sign up and get more information about the program, current bonus offerings, and to join the community today. That's drhondorp.com forward slash course. It's time to stop dieting and start living. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. 
grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.